right, let's see if you're actually ready for Christmas. It's the most wonderful time. I've got shopping I still have to do. Wait, the in-laws are staying too? Can someone just hand me a beer? It's the most weary time of the year. How many of you guys would actually confess that, that that translation maybe sounds a little bit more like your life right now? Not about the in-laws, of course, just about the weariness. Yeah, we know that that's an unfortunate byproduct that comes with this season, but guys, we truly are grateful that you're here with us this morning. My name's Aaron, by the way. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, you're joining us in our second installment, our second week of the series we're doing called 316, and what we've decided to do is take a, a deeper look at John 316. And last week, I mentioned to you that if you will embrace this verse with new eyes and with new ears, I really do believe it has the potential to replace some of your weariness with wonder. And one of the things that I mentioned last week was how when some things become too familiar in our lives, it actually can be dangerous. In other words, there's risk with repetition. And when it comes to John 3.16, potentially the most repeated verse in the entire Bible, potentially the most known verse in the entire Bible, that it's possible, it's very possible, that we've begun to overlook some of the significance in this passage. And so we think it's worth taking just kind of a step back and slowing down in a season that really feels like we're just speeding up and taking another look at John 3.16 to make sure, to make sure that we're not missing any of its significance. So last week we kicked off this series by looking at the first six words that go like this, for God so loved the world. And from looking at these first six words, we determined a couple things. A couple things. First, this particular phrase reminds us that God loved the world, but one of the things that we have to remember is that we have actually done nothing to deserve that love. And so instead of asking the question of, well, how could a loving God, and you fill in the blank, but maybe you've heard it filled in like this, how could a loving God allow so much pain and suffering? How could a loving God allow all of these kids to die of starvation? How could a loving God allow so much injustice? But last week we determined there's actually a better question because of the fact that we haven't done anything. No one has ever done anything to deserve the love of God. The better question is this, why would a perfect God actually love, choose to love, such an unloving, imperfect world? And when we begin to see that with a new lens, it should lead us to more appreciation and it should lead us to wonder. So today what we're going to do is we're going to pick up where we left off and we're going to look at the next three words, but for the sake of clarity, I think it's beneficial that we just go back and look at the entire passage. For God so loved the world that he gave. Those will be our three words for today. His one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. And really the word that I want to focus on is the very next word, not just the next three words, but the next word, which is that. You see, that is the pivotal word in the passage. For God so loved the world that. You see, God understood and he understands that idol love is no love at all. Meaning, it wasn't enough for him to love the world. It required him to do something about that very love. And that leads me to our one thing today. Friends, this is going to be a very personal one thing. It's a one thing that I think God wants you to, to wrestle with, specifically over the course of this season. And it's a question what does love require 
of me. Now, for those of us that have been married for any amount of time, we understand this, don't we? Fellas, let me pick on us for a second. You see, we understand this. We know that we can say love as much as we want, but if we don't ever do the dishes, if we don't ever take out the trash, if we don't ever put the kids to bed, if you don't ever wipe a dirty butt from now, every now and then, or maybe warm up a bath and pour that woman a glass of wine, it ain't love. And all the women said, and ladies, I'm not even going to go there. I'm just going to quit while I'm ahead. <clears throat> One of the things that I did leading up to getting married was I took two or three guys to lunch, and it was specific, specifically two or three guys that I, have, I had observed. And the reason I took them to lunch is because I wanted to know, I wanted to know, like, what it was about their life that allowed them to be such a good husband. And let me be clear, I didn't invite them to lunch because of things I heard them say. I didn't invite them to lunch because of how much money that they brought home. I invited them to lunch because of how I observed them loving Maybe you're like me when I say it's the people that I watch who love the best who motivate me the most. Bob Goff actually put it this way. You're going to hear a lot of Bob Goff quotes this morning, and it comes out of the book Love Does. If you've never read the book Love Does, I would strongly encourage you picking that up. Here's what Bob says. It will be the people with the greatest love, not the most information, who will influence us to change. Friends, I hear a lot of accusations against the church today, but potentially the saddest indictment is that the church is not loving. Now, we may share great information. We may preach the Bible with precision and passion. We may do food packing events, serving Sundays, neighborhood parties. We may buy gifts for foster kids. But if these actions aren't motivated by love, well, let me show you how Paul says it in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, if I could speak all the languages of earth and angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be what? Nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained absolutely nothing. Church, don't miss this next statement. It's possible for us to look really spiritual and to do a lot of really spiritual stuff, but be completely bankrupt in love. And do you know what that would make us in the kingdom of God? Paul says noise. There's a lot of spiritual noise out there, isn't there? There's a lot of opinions about how church should be done and what the right theology is and how you should teach and preach the Bible in specific ways. And let me be clear, we don't dismiss those things. There's, those things are important. But if our attempt to grow in information ever supersedes our, to, our desire to grow in love, we've missed the message of John 3.16. We've missed it. And we've missed the message of Jesus. Let me remind you of something he said in John chapter 15. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, let me be clear about something really quick. Those aren't the Ten Commandments. Pay attention. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as, I have, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Anybody else would like to have complete joy this Christmas season instead of the weariness that we often bring with us into it? My command is this. Here's the command that Jesus just talked about. Love each other. As I have loved you, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends 
if you do what I command. What's the commandment? To love each other. You see, love required something of God. Love required something of Jesus. And friends, love requires something of us. Let me show you something else that Bob says. He says, selfless love is always costly. Fear can't afford it. Pride doesn't understand it. And friends, friends never forget it. I want to introduce you guys to a friend of mine who was brave enough to share a part of her story and how love showed up in her life in a very difficult time. Check this out. My name is Dana. I am a trace, and this is my story. On April 24th of 2018, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Um, I wasn't expecting it because I'm only 35 years old, 34 at the time. Um, so I had shown up for the results by myself, and I remember the radiologist came in, had a paper with her, and had it on the table, and looking down and seeing the word malignant neoplasm, and I knew what that meant. My husband and I begged and pleaded that this was a mistake, that my next biopsy would be clear, there was no cancer, and I was going to have this miraculous healing, um, and that it was kind of like, God give me the easy way out, like, this isn't really cancer, is this? So we met with a doctor, and she was willing to remove the tumor um, several days later, and the final pathology came back with cancer, of course, the same diagnosis. But my initial reactions were, why? Like, I wrestled with God the first several weeks of my diagnosis and was like, why? Like, why me? Like, and why now? Like, I'm only 35 and I have three kids. I'm supposed to have energy. And why would I, what good could come out of this? Like, why would you allow me to go through this, God? So we had plenty of doctor's appointments during that time, figured out a treatment plan, and my treatment plan was um, going to be chemotherapy, um, six rounds, which would go over 18 weeks. And my biggest prayer during that time would have been that God's power just be shown through my situation and that God, God, God would give me the strength to get through it. And looking back, I can see where God was evident and where he placed us in our life, especially within our church and all the people who come around, came around us. Um, people checking in on me all the time, making sure I'm okay, have, seeing if I have prayer requests, seeing if there's anything they can do. And um, I can say now that I'm thankful for breast cancer because honestly, it brought out the best in the people around us, just with their support and their encouragement, the gifts, the meals, the prayers, everything that I'll forever be grateful for came with that diagnosis that I think is really hard to see when you see the word breast cancer or cancer in general. Um, but now looking back, I can say it really showed me God's love through his people and his church. Will you do me a favor? And I want to give Dana our appreciation for being bold enough to share her story, but also celebrate because today she's cancer free. So can we give it up for Dana? <clears throat> I'll be honest with you, when I first heard her share that sentiment that she was glad she had cancer, it shocked me. But then when she went into the explanation of why that was the case, it actually made a lot of sense to me. 
You see, many of us carry around a question with us. It's a subconscious question. It may be a question that you didn't even know that you carry, but I can almost assure you that you do, and it sounds something like this. Am I worth your life being interrupted? Am I worth your life being interrupted? You see, friends, loving the way that Jesus did means living a life of constant interruptions. This past week, our creative arts pastor, Tyler, and his wife, you heard uh, Kip share this a little bit earlier, they ended up having to rush, uh, him and Nikki, his wife, they ended up having to rush their three-year-old daughter to the emergency room for what ended up being an appendicitis, and they had to remove their appendix, but things got sketchy for a little bit. And so he was calling me and telling me some of the things that the doctors were saying, and he said, man, I may be out for you know, definitely this week, if not longer, because they're telling us that she could be in the hospital for 21 days. And I'm going to be transparent with you this morning. The leader inside of me panicked just a little bit because I'm like, man, losing my worship leader right now for an entire week, just a few weeks out of Christmas. But really quickly, the love in me trumped that. You know why? Because they're worth the interruption. Let me read to you something that Nikki sent to me in a text message. She says, I'm watching winter right now and feeling indescribably grateful for all the prayers and the support from the team. I'm so thankful for the church culture that you've encouraged that takes such good care of each other. Friends, I can get up here and encourage us all day long to do certain things, but unless we actually begin to live it out, we're just noise. I'm approaching 40 years of life. I've been married for coming up on 16 years. I'm a father of four, and I have been a leader in several different capacities. In other words, I can say I probably got some experience wisdom underneath my belt. And you know what? where I've noticed that most of us are like the rest of us? We want to be thought of. We want to be thought of. Do you know what message we often overlook in John 3.16? That God thought of you. Now hold on a second, don't. Don't overshoot that statement too quickly because we, we hear the, the verse, for God so loved the world. Yeah, 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 he, he was thinking of the whole world. But what will blow your mind is this, and I can assure you this is a true statement. He thought of you. He thought of you. And he thought of you in the context of so much love that he had to do something about it. And so he gave. What did he give? everything really he gave you jesus he gave you eternal life he gave you himself friends i think many of you will share this sentiment with me i'm not interested in leading a church that is filled with spiritual rhetoric and spiritual noise i'm not interested in filling this room with people who need to check a box or just want to be entertained i'm not interested in feeding into this consumer consumerism narrative that says what's in it for me what's in it for me but do you know what i am interested in Loving others so well that they can't help but want to know more about Jesus. Loving others so well that they can't help but want to know more about Jesus. So let me ask you the question once more. What does love require of you? Andy Stanley says it this way in his book, Irresistible. But implied in God's unconditional love for us is an obligation. God's love is free, but it's not duty-free. Unlike the old covenant, God's love does not oblige us to do something for God. He's fine. God's love obligates us to do something for those around us. Why? 
Because Jesus didn't die for your sins only. He didn't die for your family's sins only. He didn't die for the sins of the folks who are easy to get along with only. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only ours, but for the sins of the whole world. God's love for us obligates us to love those gods God loves. And who does he love? The whole stinking world. Here's a statement I don't want you to forget today. Do you know that everybody actually matters to God? whether God matters to them or not. Let me tell you something else that Bob says. Bob says this, that's what love does. It pursues blindly, unflinchingly, and without end. When you go after something you love, you'll do anything it takes to get it, even if it costs everything. So what does love require of me? Each of us would probably answer that statement differently right now in whatever season of life that you find yourself in. But for the sake of us kind of being challenged together this morning, I want to go through just a list of things and I'll alliterate for the, for the sake of hopefully you being able to remember them. And so here's a handful of ways that I think, or let me say that differently, here's a handful of things that I think love requires of us. Number one, I think love requires us to lean in. One of the things that I'll do with people, oftentimes people that I lead, is when I'm talking to them, again, as a leader, sometimes I expect a lot of the people who uh, work underneath me, but sometimes I just pause and I say, hey, how can I lean in your direction right now? In other words, how can my life and all of the things that I've got going on, how can that be interrupted for you right now? Maybe this is some language that you could use. Maybe you need to lean into your spouse right now. Maybe it'd be a great opportunity in this season to sit down and turn off the TV and Look at your wife or husband and say, hey, how can I lean in your direction right now? In other words, how can my life be interrupted for you right now? Friends, I think that's what love is expect, expects of us. The second thing that I would say is listen. You've heard me say this before, but one of the best forms of love is listening, and I am not good at it. My wife, if you hear an amen, it was my wife. But I'm working on it. Because I really do believe this. I've got one of those minds, maybe you're like me a little bit, that never stops. And so my mind's always thinking about like what's next and what I need to be doing. And because my mind never stops, sometimes that helps in a leadership setting, but it doesn't help in a listening setting. And so sometimes I've got to sit down and I've just got to, I've got to clear the mechanism. Anybody ever seen that movie? Clear the mechanism. And just listen and be available that way. Maybe you need to do that with one of your kids. Maybe your kid's been trying to get your attention, but you've been so wrapped up in your phone that you're not even listening where they need mommy and daddy right now. I promise you that it would go pay dividends in your life if you sit down with a, your son or daughter and say, how, how can dad or how can mom show up in your life more right now? Next thing that I, that I would say is this. Maybe some of you need to let go. Maybe the way, maybe what love is demanding of us right now or requiring of us right now is that we let something go. And let me specifically talk about resources. In this season where consumerism is elevated, maybe it's starting to reveal something about your heart. Maybe you're starting to notice that you're holding on to resources and you're starting to have an unhealthy focus and an unhealthy love for money. There's a battle over your heart. I don't know if you know this or not. There's a battle over your heart between George, the almighty daughter, do dollar, excuse me, dollar, and Jesus. There's a battle over your heart between George and Jesus. Make sure Jesus wins that one. And so if you know right now, I've had conversations with several people here in just the last couple weeks that this is a truth for them. If you know that monetary things are becoming way too big of a focus in your life right now, man, let that stuff go. Let that stuff go. And you heard Shaylee say it over 
uh, earlier. If you don't give here, give somewhere. But learn to let that stuff go. And so maybe the best way to combat that unhealthy focus on money for you and what love would require of you right now is that you just bless somebody with the, way, with the things that God has blessed you with. And I'll give you an unashamed plug for our Trace Church Northgate. You know, you hear us say this all the time, if you don't give here, give somewhere. But we're trying to send these guys off up to the north part of our city to launch a new church to reach lost people on that end of town. And friends, if they just reach one lost person, it is completely worth however much money you're willing to invest in it. And so we're trying to send them up there with $25,000. And so we encourage you to partner with us to be a part of that special Christmas offering this year. And we want to send those guys up there. And I don't know if you know this, but the number one reason why church plants fail is actually because of lack of resources. But maybe for you it sounds different. When you hear this idea of letting go, maybe for you it's letting go of something different. Maybe it's not resources. Maybe for you this Christmas season you need to let go of some bitterness. You've been holding on to something and it now feels like it's holding on to you. I think somebody else... Somebody needs to hear that this morning. You're, you've been holding on to something, but now it feels like it's holding on to you. Don't let that resentment, don't let that bitterness and anger steal your joy this Christmas. So instead, let love compel you to give people maybe what they don't deserve, your forgiveness. Let me remind you, for God so loved the world that he gave, but what he gave you, you did not deserve. We did not deserve. Follow his lead, and maybe what you need to let go of this Christmas season is something that's starting to hold on to you now, and just let that go. Here's the last thing that I want to encourage us to do. A couple months back, uh, we did this thing that we call 10,000 Traces. If you were here, you know that we gave out $10,000 in these envelopes that said, Leave Your Trace. And this is something I'm going to encourage you to do today, and just to be clear, we're not going to give out $10,000 again. So, But one of the things that I want to make sure that we never become guilty of here at Trace is that you just require and wait on the leadership to give you a prompting instead of just allowing the Lord to lead in your own personal life. So here's what I'm going to encourage you to do. I want you to take one of these envelopes today. They're going to be at our communion stations, and so when Shaylee leads us in a time of response here in a few moments, I want you to grab one of these envelopes that says, Leave Your Trace, and I want you to pray with your family. I want you to pray with your family. God, how much do you want us to put in this envelope? $10, $20, $500? And I want you to put it in here, and then I want you to begin to pray over this with your family. And please include your kids with this. God, who needs to experience your love right now in a very tangible way? And maybe when you're at Cracker Barrel, because all God's people eat at Cracker Barrel. (laughs) Maybe it's your waitress or waiter. Maybe it's somebody you randomly show up or shows up in your life in Walmart or somewhere. I got a text not too long ago when we did our 10,000 traces. And for those of you that are new today, if you go back on our back wall when we did this, everybody's been writing down their story of how God showed up and how he led them to give this envelope to a specific person. And somebody sent me a text message the other day and said, hey, I was just waiting for God to show me where this envelope needed to go and It had been several weeks, and I didn't know if I was ever going to find an opportunity to give it away. And the woman in front of me was checking out her groceries, and she didn't have enough money. And the clerk said, hey, you need to, or the cashier or whatever you call, said, hey, you need to go put some stuff back. And she said, wait, 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 how much is it? And pulled out her envelope and happened to be just enough money to help cover the rest of her bill. Friends, somebody, I promise you, 
needs to experience God's love in a very tangible way right now. Somebody needs to remember, or maybe here for the first time, for God so loved them, he thought of them that he sent his one and only son. And if we'll believe in him, we will never die, but we'll get the gift of eternal life. Somebody needs to experience that love in a tangible way. And so I'm going to encourage you to grab one of these envelopes as you go to our communion stations today and begin to pray over this as a family. Let me do this. Let me close by reading to you one more passage from John. It's in 1 John chapter 4, and I think it really sums up what we've been talking about this morning. Here's what he says. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is... This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. Don't miss this next statement. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Friends, let us combine our love together this Christmas season to make it become complete. Maybe not for our lives, but for somebody who really needs to know right now that God loves them. And he loves them so much that he sent his one and only son. If you ever wonder what to say or do, ask yourself the question, what does love require of you? Let me pray. Father, sometimes we can become idle uh, in our love. Father, sometimes we get selfish with our love. Sometimes we hoard our love. But you tell us that love is made complete when we actually share it with other people. And so, Lord, I know that this is one of those seasons where, unfortunately, instead of joy, a lot of people are coming into this season with, with bitterness and regret and anger and depression. And so, Father, if we can in any way make your love complete, make your joy complete by how we love one another, God, would you continue to prompt us and continue to show us what that looks like? God, we don't want to be a church that's full of spiritual rhetoric. We don't want to be a church that's full of noise. We want to be a church that represents your love by how we live. And God, we need your help because we get too caught up in our own lives we get too caught up in the things that we want. We, we, we end up thinking about how things can benefit us. God, would you help us to lose sight of ourselves and begin to love the way that you loved us. That you gave. We pray this in Christ's name. Everybody said